by scandal and pseudo-scandal mongering, Clinton could not completely shed the label, first affixed to him by right-wing Arkansas opinion columnists back in the early 1980s, of Slick Willie. Back as far as his boyhood, Clinton lived on the edge. In 1992, his presidential campaign offered up some syrupy bio-ads about the man from hope. What campaign publicist could resist such a fortuity? But in truth, Clinton spent most of his formative years, from age six onward, in the saucier town of Hot Springs. He was born William Jefferson Blythe III on August 19, 1946. But his father, William Jefferson Blythe Jr., died before he was born. He was raised by his mother, Virginia, and even more by her parents while she was in New Orleans pursuing her education. Virginia met and married Roger Clinton, a car salesman, and it wasn't long before Roger pined to return with his new family, which soon included another son, Roger Jr., to his hometown. That's the milieu that largely formed Bill Clinton. Virginia, a hard-working nurse anesthetist, but also a salty good-timer whom he utterly adored. Roger, his basically decent but alcoholic and sometimes violent stepfather, a raucous cavalcade of aunts and uncles, the women bearing names such as Odie and Illery and Falba, the Hot Springs thoroughbred racing track to which his mother was no stranger, the town's gambling parlors and whorehouses and bail bondsmen storefronts, giving the place the feel of Frank Capra's dystopian vision of post-Bedford Falls Pottersville in It's a Wonderful Life. Even the presence of the famed New York mobster Oni Madden, who had retired to Hot Springs and lived as a quasi-respectable senior citizen, and whom Virginia Clinton once put under anesthetic. As a teenager, Clinton was chubby, as he acknowledges at several points in My Life, but he loved people, their stories, their company. He was smart, and he got A's in school, except in citizenship, because he couldn't stop talking in class. He marched in the band, but he also put his excellent saxophone skills to more sophisticated and, to girls, alluring use by playing in the high school jazz ensemble. Famously, he went to Washington, D.C., once as part of a Boys' Nation trip and shook the hand of President John F. Kennedy. By his senior year, writes his biographer David Marinus, everything in the house revolved around the golden sun. He knew from about age 16 that his vocation would be politics. I loved music and thought I could be very good, but I knew I would never be John Coltrane or Stan Getz. I was interested in medicine and thought I could be a fine doctor, but I knew I would never be Michael DeBakey. But I knew I could be great in public service. And soon it was time to get out of Arkansas and study it all close up. So in the fall of 1964, off he went to Washington and to Georgetown University. The Georgetown of that time was divided into two campuses. The Yard the main campus, which was male and home mostly to Catholic boys from the Northeast, and the East Campus, which had the Edmund A. Walsh School of Foreign Service and a few other divisions, and a more diverse student body. 
Clinton was in the Foreign Service School, and, being one of the few Southern Baptists around, added to the diversity. He won the class presidency in his sophomore and junior years, and landed a part-time job in the office of the legendary Arkansas Senator J. William Fulbright, who was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee during this time, when American involvement in the Vietnam War was escalating. Clinton performed the types of menial tasks young aides still perform today, which, in his case, included delivering to Fulbright and sometimes reading confidential governmental memoranda about the war, which showed how badly it was going. Every day, Fulbright received a list of the names of Arkansas boys who had died in Vietnam. One day, Clinton looked down at the list and saw a good friend's name. He was so overcome with grief and guilt, he writes in my life, that I briefly flirted with the idea.